Hey, and welcome to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. Here you'll find a teaching for your life from God's Word by Pastor Wes Aram. So, let's get to it. Grab your Bibles and open up to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 18, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book in the New Testament. Either the hard copy you brought with you or on your electronic device, or there's a Bible in the seat back in front of you. Uh, so, somewhere, someway, somehow, grab a Bible, Luke chapter 18 is where we're going to be in just a few moments, all right? So, we're into this series, Pray Now. It's based on 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, which says, Pray continually. God wants prayer to be a part of our, our, our lives and our lifestyle as a believer. That's what He wants for us. That's why He tells us to pray without ceasing, to pray continually, to make it an ongoing habit, part of our life. That's what God wants for us. So, Today, tonight, I want us to take a look at one thing which I believe is one of the biggest reasons why Christians stop praying. And it's this, this business of unanswered prayer. We've all experienced it, right? You don't think, how many of you have ever prayed and prayed for something and no answer? Anybody besides me? Yes, look at all the hands. Yeah, Satan wants you to think you're the only one. Nope. Man, this is a common thing, all right? We pray, we pray, we pray. Might be for something that's important, significant, really life-altering even, and what happens? Nothing. Heaven is silent. You know, it's like God either is not listening or, worse yet, doesn't care. He's abandoned us. That's not true. Of course, the enemy is right there to whisper in your ear, hey, listen, this prayer thing, it doesn't matter. See, look, you prayed and prayed, and God's done zero for you. Give up. He doesn't care. He's not listening. Just stop, because it doesn't matter. That's what Satan wants you. Oh, is my time up? So I, didn't, I didn't know. Okay, all right. Said, okay. <laughs> yeah, listen, that's what Satan wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that it doesn't matter. Well, the good news for us is that God's Word tells us not only that it does matter, but He helps us walk through this whole business of answered prayer. There's reasons for it and what we can do about it. So the first overriding, overarching principle that we need to remind ourselves and get right, it's the first fill-in-the-blank, the only fill-in-the-blank on your sheet, and it's this. This is the overarching truth of prayer. The object... That's what goes in that blank. The object of our prayers is God himself, not our requests themselves. The object of our prayer is God himself, not our requests themselves. All right. Put it another way, God is the one we want to get to, not just to get stuff from him. Okay? That's, what we, that's what prayer is all about. It's invitation into his presence, to connect with him, to know him. He is the focus. He is the object. He is our treasure. Now listen, the moment we forget that and the moment we start to make things and stuff more important in our prayer life than God, we are in trouble, right? Because then God becomes a means to an end. He becomes a means to our ends. The gift becomes more important than the giver and we begin to use God for what we can get from Him, not to get to Him. So, right? None of us like to be used. No one here likes to be used. You do not enjoy it. You don't like somebody just ponying up to you and being a friend to you so that they can get what you have, like money or stuff or another relationship on the other side of you or whatever. Nobody likes that. We don't like that. I don't like that. You don't like that. And we all know what it feels like. When I was in college, I had a roommate. We were good friends. We were good buddies, having a great time together in college. And there was this girl that I wanted to date. Her name was Jane. It's a true story. And so I wanted to date her. And so I'm like trying real hard. I finally 
Finally got a date with her. I was pretty excited about it. So we went out and man, I was laying it down thick. Man, I was doing everything I could to try to impress this girl, you know, and I was really smooth and Rico Suave. Some of you will recognize that. that that's what I was trying to be. And you know what? It didn't matter. Nothing that I did impressed her at all. She couldn't, she was like, she was watching paint dry when she was with me. It was like, what is going on right now? You know, I'm unloading the barrage and nothing, right? So at the end of the day, I'm like, thank you. Walked away, I go, well, that was a bust. Know what I found out? She didn't care about me. Guess who she cared about? My roommate, that's right. Some of you have had that story. You know my pain, thank you. Yes, she cared, because my roommate was a, a soccer player from Brazil, he was a stud, you know? And so I'll never forget the day I'm sitting in my dorm room and he comes in and he says, hey Wes, I gotta be honest with you, I gotta tell you something. I'm like, what? He goes, just want you to know that me and Jane are dating. And I'm like, ah, oh, awesome. No problem, man, that was cool. That's, it's all good. So he went, to, he went to bed that night and I smothered him in sleep. So, that, um, <laughs> kidding, totally kidding. Oh, totally kidding. Just broke his ankle so he couldn't play soccer anymore. So, I'm, again, not, not serious. Yeah, yeah, you know what? And I, I remember how, how that felt. Well, listen, how is it that we hate that, but somehow we think it's okay that we do it to God? That's crazy, right? That is crazy. God becomes a means to our end. We use him to get what we want. But that's what happens when we don't keep him as the focus, right? He becomes a means to our end. We use him. And then we'll get real frustrated when he doesn't deliver like we think he should because that's his job, right? And without realizing, we will slide right into idolatry where the created thing becomes more important than the creator. And you guys, we remember the, the scriptural principle about idols. Idols never take you where you want to go. They just take. That's all they do. That's all they can do. And if we don't keep God as a focus and object of our prayers, that will happen to us. That's why as we walk through the Lord's Prayer, if you remember, the whole first part of what we know as the Lord's Prayer, and Jesus was teaching his disciples and us how to pray, the whole first part was all about God. The focus was on him, how awesome he is, how great he is, his, his power, his authority. You know, he's wonderful. We adore him and we share intimacy with him because he's our father. We address him as father. Look at that alone that invitation alone right there should just continue to overwhelm us and draw us into prayer to God. So, that's the truth we always have to keep on the table and keep in, in front of us. Now, that being said, God has told us that prayer is one of the ways that He wants us to get involved with Him and that He does, in fact, want us to ask for things that He wants to give us. We'll see this in just a minute. We've already talked about that in, in our, in our uh, study of prayer prior, but we'll see it more tonight. But I want to take a look at five things. Five things, you've got numbers five there, that, uh, that are uh, things that cause us to have unanswered prayer. So look at the first one. James 4.3 says this, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So there's the first thing. We ask with wrong motives. Listen, even if we ask for the right thing, but it's for the wrong reason, God's not going to answer that. He's not going to answer. He says, you ask with wrong motives. I'm not going to answer that, right? Because God doesn't want to fuel wrong motives in us. If he answered that prayer request, when we pray with really wrong motives, then God will be affirming that wrongness in our life. He's not going to do that. Our motives need to be powered by God. Because if they're not, they're going to be powered by selfishness. And guess whose territory that is? That's the enemy territory. So if God keeps holding off on answering our prayer to purify our hearts and our motives, 
then he will do that. Listen, our motives reveal where we really believe life and joy and ultimate fulfillment comes from. Not the stuff, it's God. And so he wants us to pray with right motives. And let's, let's expand that. Let's bring that out a little bit. Because it's not just wrong motives that are our problem. It's also areas of disobedience. Sin in any kind man, can really mess up your prayer life. Isaiah 59, 1-2 says this. God is speaking. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, or his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. That was Isaiah under the, under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit writing that. It says, your, your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. These people are asking God for this stuff right here. And God's going, I'm not interested in talking about that. First, I want to talk about this area of disobedience over here. Before we get to this that you're all concerned about, I want you to know that I'm concerned about this area of disobedience over here. And this is what we need to deal with. Right? That's what God wants to do in our lives. Because listen, here's, here's, here's the big truth with this. God is more interested in changing you than he is in changing the things around you. He is more interested in transforming the heart inside of you than he is in transforming the circumstances outside of you. He's more interested in growing your, your character than he is in growing your comfort. He wants you to be like Jesus. And so... He will use unanswered prayer to cause us to dig in a little bit to find out is there something in our lives that are mucking up the works, that are, that are you know, clogging up, uh, up, the, up the airways between us and God. Psalm 139, 23-24, I have it on your sheet there. I pray this prayer all the time. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any wicked or any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a prayer God will answer. God, is there something in me that is offensive to you? Something in me that displeases you? And I want to deal with that. I want to walk away with that and lead me in the way everlasting, the way that lasts forever, the right way. Lead me in that way, God. He will answer that prayer. So one, are we praying with wrong motives? Second thing, Matthew 13, 58. And he, Jesus, did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Two, we pray with unbelief. We pray with unbelief. We don't actually, truly, in our heart, believe that God is going to answer our prayer. We don't really believe it. Because there's several reasons for that, possibly, but one of the big ones is, is we don't honestly believe that God is excited to give to us. We don't believe that. And here's the thing. If we don't really believe, then why are we praying in the first time? Why are we praying in the first place? Hebrews 11.6, you guys are familiar with it. We've talked about this. It says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He is, that He exists, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him, who diligently seek Him. God is a rewarder. That is who He is of those who come to Him, who seek Him, who come after Him. God says, that's who I am. I am a rewarder. Do we believe that? Or are we just praying like, ah, oh, you know, I might as well just pray, but we don't really... We don't really believe that this honors God. So we need to pray with belief. Are we praying with wrong motives? Are we praying with unbelief? The third one, Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Again, scripture we've talked about before. Jesus is speaking. He says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God gives good gifts. 
He wants to give us the right things, but sometimes we ask for the wrong stuff. And that's the third thing. We ask for wrong things, wrong requests. He says, if you ask for a fish, is he going to give you a snake? No, of course not. But here's the problem. Sometimes we ask for a snake and we think it's a fish. Right? Sometimes we ask for something wrong that we think is awesome, but God knows that it's not awesome. He sees what's on the other side of that answered prayer if he was to answer it the way we ask for it. So he says, I'm not going to give you a snake. Ask me all you want. Get a bunch of people together. Claim it all you want. You ain't getting it because it's a snake. You can't see that, but I do. Trust me. And my intentions towards you, God says, are good because it's who I am. Remember 1 John 1, 5? In him is no darkness at all. God can never act in a wrong way towards you or towards me. So, sometimes we ask for the wrong things. Hey, remember the Apostle Paul? This guy was pretty much a rock star of the New Testament, right? He was a, was a missionary, one of the greatest missionaries that ever lived. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he asked God specifically three times, it records for us in the scripture we're going to read here in just a second, three times, maybe more, but three times that we know of, that God would take away this thorn, he called it a thorn in his flesh, that which was buffeting him, that which was causing him harm and hurt and was coming against him. We don't know what that is, but it was enough that Paul says, enough, God, please. Three times he says, take it away. And guess what? God didn't do it. Why? Because it was the wrong request. God says, I'm going to answer no to that, Paul. You know why? Because I have a greater plan for you. I have a greater plan for you. It's recorded for us in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 9. It says this, three times, Paul said, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, this thorn in my flesh. But he said to me, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul said, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul was asking for what looked like a really good thing. Nobody was arguing with them, I'm sure. And I'm sure other people were praying for him about it. But you know what? God said no. You think it's great, but guess what, Paul? i got a greater plan for you. It's the same way with us. I love this quote from Timothy Keller. It says this, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything that he knows. If God says no to your prayer, do you still believe that his way is better? Will you still believe, will I still believe that his way is better? Is better because sometimes we just set our hearts on stuff and we're like, God, you gotta give this to me. Well, this here with Paul should teach us that we come to God with our expectations in open hands. Say, Lord, this is what I'm asked, because you tell me to ask. I have not because I ask not. You tell me to ask. But God, if you got a bigger plan, I want that. I trust you. You see what I can't here. And give me the grace to accept it. Listen, God will not play with your emotions. He will not tease you. That is not who he is. No darkness in him at all. So are we asking for the wrong thing? Are we so convinced that this is what we need that we are not allowing God to give us any kind of direction? Are we asking for the wrong thing? Four, Luke 18, 1 through 7 Please follow along as I read. You have it there in front of you. Luke 18. This is one of my favorite 
places in the Bible about prayer, I come back here all the time when I feel like Satan has tempted me that I need to give up on prayer. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is the biggest reason to keep praying, because Jesus said to. That's the greatest reason to keep going, because Jesus said to. Listen, Jesus put this down here because he knew for his disciples and he knew for us, that's why he recorded it here, that there are going to be times when we feel like giving up in prayer. There's just going to be times that we just feel like, man, this is not worth it. This is not working. And we just feel like giving up. And Jesus said, don't. Don't give up. Listen, if we want the end results of prayer, then we have to put in the effort of prayer. We have to do that. Because Jesus knew that sometimes our requests would take a while. Because we go to battle when we go to prayer, man. And we have an enemy that hates us. And warfare is tough and it's a struggle. And Jesus said, don't give up. You're going to be tempted. You're going to feel like it. Don't give up. And so he told a story. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Jesus casts you and me in the person of the widow here in this passage. Widow in the first century was the most vulnerable person on the planet. The most vulnerable person on the planet. She kept coming to the judge day after day after day after day, and she wouldn't give up. Why? One, because she realized her situation was desperate. And two, she was out of options. She had nowhere else to go. She knew what she needed. She needed justice, and there was no way that she could get that on her own. The judge, the unjust judge, was the only one that could grant it. He was it. He was her only option. So she just kept coming. We pick up the story in verse 4. For some time, the judge refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. The only thing she had going for her was her need. And it was enough. She just kept coming. And Jesus said, be like that. Be like that. Just keep coming. Be like that. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice. Quickly. Listen, let's just be honest. Persevering prayer, that's not something any of us are super pumped about. I, I, I bet nobody here got, gets up in the morning going, I can't wait to just wrestle it out in prayer day after day. That's awesome, right? It's not the thing that we're totally psyched about doing. But Jesus knew that sometimes some prayers, some prayers would need to be battled time and time again. And he says, be like this widow. One, be desperate. Realize, realize that God is the one and the only one who can answer you. Realize that, that you can't do it on your own. Listen, as I pray for our congregation, 
You know, I pray for community, genuine community, that you come in here and you encourage and you get to know somebody, get to meet somebody. Two, I pray for hearts to be changed. Those who are believers, that you fall more in love with Jesus and those that don't know Jesus will come to know Jesus. And I'm praying for a building. Guess what? I can't do any of that on my own. I can't force you into a relationship. I can't get you down there by the, by the muffins downstairs and put a gun to your back and say, listen, I want you to like that person over there. Go and be, go and be friendly with them right now, or I'm going to shoot you right now. I did it to my roommate in college. I can do it to you. Right? I can't do that. I can't force that. I can't change a heart. I don't have that ability, and I do not have enough money or connections to get us a building. But guess who can do all of that? God. He can do that. So we realize our desperate situation, and we realize the character of our Heavenly Father. When, when Jesus was holding out the judge, he wasn't comparing him to God. He was contrasting him with God. He was saying, hey, look at this judge. Look at him. Do you really think that he's more faithful and more just and more kind and more loving and more good than your heavenly father? No way. No way. Not even, not even close. Listen, this widow, she got a whole bunch of no's before she got her yes. And she couldn't see what was going on on the other side of that door. She couldn't see her circumstances starting to change. She couldn't see the judge's heart starting to turn. All she could see was that door. But she kept coming. Can you, can you imagine what would have happened if on the very day that the judge was going to say, yes, here's your justice, she decided, I'm gonna, it's, it's been enough. It's too hard. I'm done. Jesus is saying, don't quit too soon. Don't quit too soon. God's not now doesn't necessarily mean not ever. Listen, sometimes God takes time because he has to prepare the answer for us. And sometimes he has to prepare us for the answer. When my son was 10, he wanted to drive. Guess what? I'm not handing him the keys. He had to wait. He had to be prepared to receive the answer to his request when he was 16. And he said, here. He had to wait. In prayer, sometimes that's what it's like. Sometimes God has to prepare us to receive the answer. So, well, Wes, how do you know? How do you know if, when you should, should stop? Let me suggest two things. One, when you get your answer, obviously. That's kind of obvious when you get what you asked for. But two, remember the Apostle Paul. He prayed three times, and what did God say? He said, no, i got a better plan for you. Keep praying until God tells you to stop. Keep praying until God directs you somewhere else. That's what he did with the Apostle Paul. That's what he can do with you. He can do with me. Jesus said, don't stop. Don't quit. Keep coming. Here's a fifth reason. There's a fifth reason why we have unanswered prayer. Matthew 6, 9. Jesus is speaking. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Prayer that God hears and answers are the prayer of his children. The prayers of his children. The ones that God hears and honors and answers are the prayers of his children. So here's the fifth reason. You may not truly be born again. You may not truly be a believer. Some of those frightening scriptures, and I've talked to you guys about this before. To me, in the, all of the Bible is Matthew 7. Judgment Day, when Jesus says, starting in verse 21, he says, many will come to me in that day. That word many means the majority. Many will come to me in that day, judgment day, and say, Lord, Lord, did we not? And they will list off a bunch of things that they did. Did we not you know, do many good works in your name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not prophesy or proclaim the truth? 
And Jesus will look at him and he will never disagree with him. Because they did those things. But he will say, I never knew you. Depart from me. I never knew you. Not that I used to know you. I knew you once. Don't know you now. I never knew you. These people honestly thought they were going to make heaven. But they were never truly born again. They never truly turned from their sin and placed their faith in Jesus. Listen, the one prayer, guaranteed. The one prayer that God will always hear and always answer yes to, the prayer of salvation. Every single time. He will always answer the prayer of salvation. The prayer request. The sinner say, Jesus, I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I turn from my sin. Come in to my life. I receive you into my life. I'm all yours. John 1.12. But as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the right, the power, the privilege to become a child of God, even to those who believe on his name. Even those who believe on his name. Are you truly born again? Do you really know Jesus? If you died tonight, do you know you'd be in heaven? 100% sure you know. No questions. Because you can because God gives us that assurance. So those five things, which one speaks to you? God brought you here for a reason. Here's his word, here's his truth. Which one of these things speaks to you? Are you praying with wrong motives? Is there an area of your life you just need to say, Lord, is there something in my life that, that's messed up that's wrong? Please show me. God will do that. Why? Because he loves you. He doesn't want you to continue to have the poison of sin in your heart, in your life. He doesn't want that. Do you need to just ask him, is that, is that what God has talked to you about? Or two, is it unbelief? You don't really believe. You know, you're kind of half-hearted, you know. Hey, mustard seed of faith. That's all it takes. You don't have to have the whole thing wired. But you have to believe that he's a rewarder. That he's excited about you, excited to give to you, excited to get into your life that which will help you come to know him better and fulfill the purpose for which he created you. We learned that in, in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Right? Third, maybe it's a wrong request. You're asking for the wrong thing. And you need to open your hand and say, Lord, I want what you want. This is what I'm asking for, but if you got something better, would you show me a greater plan? Doesn't mean you're going to understand everything. Doesn't mean he's going to answer all your questions. But it means he will direct you. He promises to do that. He promised to do that. Four, do you need to persevere? Listen, I get it. There's people in my life, when I was preparing this, I was thinking about people I've been praying. There's a couple I've been praying for for over 10 years to come to know Christ. I've shared with them. I've prayed with them. I've invited them to church. I've told them about Jesus. I've told them how to get saved. I've given them material. Nothing. And I've, I've been tempted to just go, all right, whatever, Lord, I'll move on. You know, but God reminded me of them. Say, said, Wes, don't give up. Have you given up? I'm like, wow, I need to get, I need to, I need to get going on that. Maybe that's you. I don't know. Or five, do you know Jesus? He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. Because listen, you and I both know our lives are short. I don't want to be the guy that misses out on what God says he wants to give me because I'm not praying with passion in the name of Jesus for God's glory. I don't want to miss out. I want to see answered prayer. That fires me up when God answers my prayer. Doesn't it fire you up when God answers your prayer? Come on. You've got it. If you've been a Christian for a half a minute and you've prayed, you've seen God answer your prayer. For example, he answered your prayer to save you. Answer to prayer. Pretty big. Great deal. Do you know him? If you step into a love relationship, it changes you on the human level. You know that. It changes how you spend your time, how you spend your money, your priorities. Your perspective, what you're willing to sacrifice for. 
Listen, if you know Jesus, He's changed your life. There is a direction of your life that is towards Him. There's a love in your heart for Him. It changes how you spend your time, your money, your priorities, what you're willing to do with your life, what you are excited about. Listen, if that's not happening, you need to ask yourself some honest questions. Do I even really know Jesus? Because He wants you to. He wants you to know Him. And He wants our prayers to matter. And He says they can. It's our choice. Let's pray together. Thank you guys so much for your, your kind attention, your graciousness. Just take a moment, man. What did God talk to you about? What do you need to do about it? What did He speak to you about? Just take a moment silently right there in the sanctuary of your heart. What did God talk to you about? And what do you need to do about that? Just take a moment. Silently just respond to Him. Just you and God. And He loves you. He's your Father. You have nothing to fear. Trust Him. Trust Him. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Last question. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you are not sure you're going to make heaven, or you're sure you won't, that can change right now. Right now. Through a prayer. The one prayer that God will always hear, always say yes to you. It's a prayer of salvation. Say, Wes, I'm not even sure how to do that. Then great. Let me offer this prayer up to you. I want you to pray this prayer after me. Not out loud. In your heart, you're not talking to me. You're talking to God. And just, man, mean these words as your own. They're not magic. Just mean these as your own. Just say silently. Say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. I believe that Jesus, you died for me. And that you have eternal life to give me. And I want that. I want you. So right now, I turn from my sin. I repent. I don't want that anymore. I turn my back on that and I turn to you. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Save me. I am all yours. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want to remember you in a closing prayer. I'm going to ask with no one looking around. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand until I see it because I want to remember you in a closing prayer. Somebody prayed for me and I want to do that for you. So if that's you, you just prayed that prayer. Say, Wes, I meant it. This is my moment. Made sure. Gave my life to Jesus. Here's my hand. Pray for me. If that's you, I want you to pop your hand up real quick so I can see it, so I can pray for you. Anyone at all, just lift it up. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that you guide us through stuff like unanswered prayer for our benefit, to draw us to yourself. Lord, I pray that you would silence the lies of the enemy in our heart. And God, may we give ourselves to the truth of what you say is real and true. May we run after you. Lord, may our prayers make a difference. Show us, help us with that, Lord. We don't want to miss out. I pray that you would bless the people here this week, God. Every one of us, may we walk out of here just saying, man, I want to love Jesus more. I want to follow him greater. Help us to do that, God. We pray this in your name, Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. To connect with us and to get more encouraging biblical content, go to vcb.church.